Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got lots to talk to you today about uh, one really, really important topic. If you are a speculator trying to flip some real estate, and uh, I'm going to be talking to you about that a little bit later in the hour, because to me, this is one of those things that, can you be aware that you owe the CRA some money? That's right. If you flipped a property in the condominium market, guess what? They are starting some serious investigations. I'm going to tell you more about the details that have been released over the last week about what's going to happen. Uh, I also have uh, one of our recurring guests here at Simply Real Estate. Mr. Phil Soper is going to be joining me and Phil is a is the actual CEO of Royal LePage. Awesome to work with Phil and I love having conversations with him. But just back to the CRA thing. Um, what I want you to do is definitely stay tuned throughout the entire show. Phil's got so much to talk about with us. But more importantly, one of the things that I want you to be aware of is some of the steps you can take to prevent yourself uh, getting caught with the CRA and having some outstanding taxes. But before I go down the road, I'm going to introduce Mr. Phil Soper from Royal Page, and welcome to the show. Oh, a real pleasure to be back. You know, Phil, uh, you and I have had quite a few conversations. The market itself, uh, this year, I think more than any year that we've seen in the last 20 years, really unpredictable. We're really looking at the market today saying, what happened in 2017? We had this, <laughs> you know, huge run up for the first three months and then, or four months actually, and then all of a sudden, you know, I really would say the wheels came flying off the cart. I, I would thank Kathleen Wynn for that. And don't worry, you don't have, you don't have to jump on anybody here. You know, I, I don't want to ever put you under un, under the gun. Um, you know, everybody knows my feeling on this. But, you know, and then all of a sudden you have it blow apart. Um, two interest uh, rate increases. I think that was kind of smart, you know, take back the incentive that they gave. Um, and then we've got Offsy now jumping in the frame. So 2018 will be an interesting year. Um, how do you, you know, to date, how could you summarize this marketplace? Well, if you look at the Roller Page House Price Composite, which, which was released just you know a few uh, days ago, actually, year-over-year home prices in the GTA were up uh, about 21%, right. yet month-over-month, month, or quarter-over-quarter, quarter, I should say, uh, 1.5%. Okay. So that, that kind of summarizes the story, this massive year-over-year year, uh, increase, unsustainable increase, right? People's sure. incomes aren't going up 21% a year, right. uh, yet it ground to a, a complete halt. We are seeing, activity-wise, uh, a pickup in the fall. So October has been a busier month. September was a busier month. It looks like the bottom uh, for the GTA was in August, but it's not even. Uh, it's stronger in the 416 and weaker in the 905. And I think that reflects the overshooting of the market because the market's sure. a, un, you know, an uncontrollable creature. Uh, it, it, you know, places like Richmond uh, Hill and Oshawa were up almost 30% year over year uh, coming into this, this, this point. So uh, you overshoot, you have to correct. That's why we call them corrections. Right. You know, uh, a, a few a few weeks ago, I had Mr. Benjamin Tall on, and, yes. and, and you, know, you had a good smile on your face when yeah. you and I talked about it just earlier. But, um, you know, he had called 2017 a blip in the real estate world. And, you know, when you analyze it, it's sort of like you, you had this huge run-up, and now we've got, you know, stability returning. Would you agree with that comment? Well, we definitely... If you look at Vancouver, 
and compared to Toronto, uh, we're seeing almost exact because we we chart these things. Uh, we're a national firm, and if you look at the curve of of uh, unit sales and price change right. in Vancouver, it's almost identical, but ten months ahead. And so we can look to Vancouver and we can say, you know, what's what's happening in uh, Toronto? Ah, I get it. And it really does look like uh, an aberration or a blip. We're, if we look over 10 or 20 years, sure. you know, look back at this, yeah, it'll be a blip on the chart. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I like the analogy, but also, you know, great, great that you brought up Vancouver. Because if we talk about Vancouver for a second, um, you know, in, uh, in August of 2016, of course, they introduced only one major thing, which was, of course, the foreign buyer tax and, you know, knee-jerk reaction happened within a two-week span of the announcement. Sure. Uh, so, you know, f- fast and furious, everybody's trying to close, get 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 through the market. And then all of a sudden, of course, we saw the drop-off. Um, when, when we compared the Vancouver market to the Toronto market, of course, there was an indication that there was more foreign buyers in the marketplace of Vancouver than there was Toronto when the n- numbers finally came through. Now, uh, fast forward uh, six months ahead, you know, into, let's say, into the early part of the spring winter market in Vancouver, we started to see it start to spin up again. We started seeing it take off. You know, if you and I looked at the numbers today, we would say Vancouver has recovered. Yeah. Okay. For the most part, not not uh, completely in volume, but in definitely prices price, uh, right. starting to move up again. Yeah, and and you know, I, I the one thing, and 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 I definitely want to talk to you about that today is volume versus price, and that's right. one of those one of those analogies. I'd love to be able to have a conversation with you. But when when we take a look at where they they are today, so let's say the prices are back where they were. Um, but the one thing was that their prices were recovering in. Um, pretty much June and July of 2017 this year. Like they pretty much were saying, hey, listen, we're almost back. Then all of a sudden you get the Bank of Canada, you know, mm-hmm. increasing, you know, um, a quarter of a point twice. So two increases. So when we now look at it, Toronto's got more headwind. And, you know, the analogy, because we've got a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be just like Vancouver. But I think I, I, I take a different take on it because, sure. of course, the, the government implemented not just one thing being the foreign buyer tax. Yep. You know, they've really stepped on a lot of other things that, you know, uh, we, we, we talk about builders coming in the market. We've got full rent control now. We've got everything. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, so we got to deal with that. Plus, we've got this. And now, you know, obviously going to be changing things in 2018. Is Toronto? Toronto got the ability to do you think to be able to overcome even the extra hurdles to recover it's it's a really good question and you you can understand why the Bank of Canada is uh, careful when they're talking about policy and uh, the governor said recently it's a very complex model that we use it I mean the things you mentioned they're all over there all these variables have to come into play you don't know exactly which which is going to take precedence. But I will say a few things. Toronto's a much larger market than Vancouver. It's, uh, uh, you know, if you include the whole Golden Horseshoe, it's over four times as large population-wise. And right. even even if you're just looking at the GTA, much, much larger. Home prices are much cheaper. Uh, they're 50% higher in Vancouver than Toronto. Right. Uh, and... And the concentration point you made, the concentration, I'd say not necessarily the overall numbers, Mm -hmm. but the concentration of foreign investors in the GTA was much more uh, spread out. It was very, very concentrated in high-end markets in West Van and parts of Vancouver, Richmond, uh, BC. So 
it's a twitchy, twitchy market, Vancouver. I think uh, Toronto has more capacity to uh, handle the, the the problems being thrown at it, just because it's uh, more diverse. the The other thing that is is driving this, uh, you know, the, the, the latest census information. Uh, shows us just how many new Canadians we have coming to Southern Ontario and the greater Toronto area. Right. And you uh, combine that with interprovincial migration, sure. people moving to Southern Ontario because the work's here. You know, you think about uh, uh, Google smart city on the lake, yeah. uh, you get lots of people. And if there's one thing that drives housing, it's bodies. And we're we we have the bodies. We we still have a housing shortage in 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 Toronto, and and that's not going to change overnight. Yeah, you know that that was one of the things I definitely wanted to have a have a chat with you about. Of course, was the fact that there is an inventory issue. You know, we've had this conversation. You know, with a lot of different professionals over the last couple of years. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, the government will qu- quickly jump up and say, no, no, there's not an inventory problem. Uh, you know, we 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 need to cool the market artificially and do other things to it. But the truth is, the run up is always supply and demand and yep. that was the biggest part of it and and you did touch on something that I, I was going to ask you and perhaps you know the numbers a little bit I think more concise would be the fact of how many people are actually immigrating into the southern Ontario area right now you know they typically were looking at 300,000 people immigrating into Canada I would imagine the better pr- part of that percentage is coming into the GTA area yeah you're looking at uh, sometimes up to half of immigrants in the uh, the country settle in in uh, the GTA or the or the the Golden Horseshoe. There's interestingly though there uh, there has been a little more interest among new Canadians in going to smaller centers in Ontario and smaller centers across the country. And you know why? Because they have the internet mm-hmm. and they can look at the cost of living uh, in Tilsonburg right. versus uh, Toronto or Saskatoon sure. versus Vancouver, and they go. Uh, you know, I'm going to take my chance there because, and the communities that they belong to, the ethnic communities, uh, have uh, chat rooms and forums, and they say, it's okay here. And there's a community and there's support. Uh, so, you know, why don't you try Moncton uh, yeah. or, or North Bay yeah. uh, as opposed to Toronto? So we are getting a little bit, uh, and this is this is great for Canada, actually, because yeah, sure. uh, uh, we've, like the United States, we've had a migration from smaller cities into bigger cities, which drives up uh, the cost of living in a place like Toronto and leaves the economies of our smaller cities uh, fragile. I was in North Bay recently, and we, and I, I was telling a gathering there, we just opened a new, uh, shiny new office, and I said, we really believe in that community, for example, because we saw the the migration of business and people uh, uh, looking for affordability and quality of life move uh, from the GTA to the the Barry area, sure. and and we believe it will will spread uh, North Bay, Sudbury, so it's becoming easier to live and work in smaller centers. Just at the same time that initiatives like the big Google initiative on the lake, a massive investment of capital and and, sure. and technology will will drive our downtown cores. You and I have a lot to talk about today, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, I always appreciate you coming in and, and having a chat with me because there's so much that's going on in the marketplace for us to discuss. So um, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, I'd love to talk more with you. Excellent. Stay with us. I'll be back with Mr. Phil Soper. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, uh, my guest this hour is Mr. Phil Soper. He is the CEO of Royal LePage. You've heard him here on Simply Real Estate quite a few times. Uh, you know, awesome to have him on. And Phil, just before the break, you and I were talking about the marketplace, of course, and and what's going on. And we were talking about immigrants. Yeah. And um, you know, obviously, it's a big part when we when we looked at the stats last year, uh, 2016. You know, record number of sales, of course, in the GTA market, uh, about 113,000 uh, transactions actions, which is a really big number. I know a lot of realtors are sitting there saying, oh, that's not that much. It is when you look at the, the historically, I mean, I think we're up almost, you know, 11% year over year. Of course, uh, 2017, that that number is not going to repeat itself, I don't think. What do you think? Are, what, can you, can you kind of guess where our number is going to end up for the year? Well, we started really strong. Uh, you said earlier in the show, the first four months of the year were outrageously strong irrational exuberance and the <laughs> and the uh, the summer was very slow uh the fall is not it's 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 back in terms of uh, price appreciation low single digits yeah. one, of the, one of the things uh, our most recent release uh, we called it a goldilocks moment because it's the first time in almost a decade that our five biggest cities right. uh, vancouver calgary toronto ottawa montreal were all appreciating between um 1.5 and 5%. So not too hot, not too cold. So yeah. we're in a little bit of a weird Okay, now I was going to ask you that because I, <laughs> I, I did see that article. And, and, and folks, whenever, listen, whenever you take a look at the, the headlines in newspapers, get, you know, get past the headline. Okay, you read the articles. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people do approach Phil for, for you know, your feedback and, and analysis of things. I liked your comment about the Goldilocks moment. That That's where we are right now. Um, and and I did want to bring that up because it definitely it's it's an interesting it's an interesting analogy that we've you know we've got all all five bears lining up let's say, <laughs> but uh, can it last? I mean you know like there there is, is, is who who who's going to start tipping the cart? Well you know and and we also talked earlier about the uh, upcoming regulations that'll make it tough for people to get mortgage and the the question really will be uh, is a is a fragile recovery like we have in Calgary, will that be tipped over uh, by these uh, new uh, OSFI regulations? Will will the recovery in Toronto, which has started this, this uh, fall, will that continue to have steam or will these new regulations uh, take some of the, 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 the spark out of this, sure. this thing? I th- we'll, we'll know by... Uh, the end of February. Uh, it's we're entering the slowest part of the year, uh, but it it uh, it is a good question. Okay, so before we go there, um, just for clarity for our listeners, Offsi, uh, new introduction. Um, what they're doing is they're stress testing the five-year mortgages now uh, for conventional buyers. So, folks, instead of using CMHC, which is your Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, when you can get an insurable mortgage, when you can go with less down, it means that twenty percent or more is a conventional buyer and now they're going to throw out a stress test which basically means that whatever is post so it could be yeah. 4.7 even if you can get 2.7 today um phil do you think do you do you think that this is really going to have that much of an effect on people i i spoke at a banking conference uh, that jenworth one of the other large mortgage insurers in the country sure. had uh had sponsored a couple of weeks ago and uh, one of their economists uh, did a walkthrough 
and a really thoughtful analysis of where all the buyers came from and what the, the, the full impact of this might be, their guess was 12%. Uh, in other words, 12% of sure. people would have to delay. Uh, right. be, you know, save up a little bit more money. I've seen numbers as low as five, and some people, and they tend to be the uh, the wackos, like the guys at Capital Economics that have been predicting the uh, collapse. <laughs> the sky of is that, falling. Right, for for I, I have one, one headline. Years, isn't it? Oh, oh, I think it's almost ten now. <laughs> they, you know, every, eventually they'll be right if they, yeah, if they go for a thousand years. Yeah, if they keep saying the same exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> Worst economist in Canada. The um, uh, but yeah, I it it probably will slow the market somewhat. It may actually uh, delay the introduction of higher interest rates. Interestingly enough, it may allow the central bank to step back and say, you know, we were on a path to do this, this, and this, but we're not going to now. Well, I think I think part of the Bank of Canada's uh, you know method of their madness. Obviously, they had to relieve the 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 extra that they threw to get the economy going. Yes. You know, I think on on top of that, if we look at the numbers, you know, you've got the provincial government stepped in uh, here in Ontario. Of course, we've got to look federally. Where where is the marketplace? There's still a lot of markets that are underperforming. They're not doing exceptionally well. You know, we do have our five major centers here in Canada that, you know, most people know that are are doing re- relatively well. You know, uh, Montreal really just started coming online in the last you know 12 months. Been a, been a great 12 to 18. Yeah, and 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 Ottawa the same. You know, like they were. They, there was, they all had hesitations. Vancouver and Toronto, always the leaders in any yep. marketplace. Calgary obviously took the beating um, that they did. And now that we've got a little bit of st- stability sitting in these marketplaces, I guess the real question that we have to ask ourselves is, are all these measures really necessary? Because it, it doesn't seem like they're giving any one measure long enough to have an effect. So you've got Offsy now jumping in on this. You know, conventional buyers, I mean, this is 20% down. These people are serious, obviously, exactly. about uh, you know, home ownership. You, you still have the provincial uh, you know, Rags and drag. that haven't haven't really we haven't gotten even past six months with this, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're they're throwing more and more. Bank of Canada, we understand they're not just focused on it. What do you think? The straw on the camel's back. You know, you <laughs> you you wonder where when this thing is going when you can have overshooting. I will say, government regulators tend to be late with their policy changes. And they tend to overshoot, just like markets do. I go back the most in my my uh, tenure as running the company. The the one that made me shake my head the most was back in 2007. The market's on fire. If people remember back a decade sure. ago, it's crazy. And the government had done a big study about you know increasing amortization rates and decreasing right. the amount of down payment. So you've got a market on fire and they release these liberalization moves mm-hmm. uh, that essentially poured gasoline on a raging fire. Why would they do it at that time? Because it took them a long time to study it and decide whether they should match what was happening in the US. Luckily, the global yeah. financial crisis came yeah. and um, and they hadn't been in market long enough to cause the damage that was done in the United States. So we survived that one. Yeah. But uh, regs don't always happen. They don't move quickly. Like uh, you know, a business like yours that moves quickly according sure. to how the market, the government's a slow, it's a big old ocean liner. It turns slowly and and sometimes it bumps into a few icebergs. So hopefully this time 
uh, you know, we're going <laughs> to avoid the big sharp ones. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Phil, I'm going to ask uh, that you stay put uh, again. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, folks, uh, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we've got uh, more with Phil Soper, CEO of Royal Page. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I've got Mr. Phil Soper. He is CEO of Royal Page joining me. And by the way, hey, listen, make sure you go to our website uh, at uh, News Talk. And if you haven't heard the entire show, I'm going to encourage you go to my SoundCloud, click on it. Uh, you definitely want to hear what Phil and I have been talking about so far this hour. Really, really good stuff. Love having uh, having Phil on and having a good chat. Just before the break, you and I were talking about, of course, the government. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, got something caught in my throat. Oh, it might have been their foot. Um, you know, of course, stepping in at, at opportune times in their mindset. And, you know, a couple of things uh, that I think a lot of people get concerned about is that should a government be interfering in the real estate market? On one hand, I would say that the unfettered markets always correct themselves. If you don't interfere, it's not like prices are going to stabilize. The right. problem is they sometimes stabilize in a in a violent way. Right. Right. You know, sure. you have you have a market crash. So yeah. so I agree in principle, particularly with monetary policy, right. that it can be an instrument for good, not evil. Yep. The challenge comes when thoughtful policy, housing policy interferes with politics. You know, and we have election cycles. We saw this in British Columbia <laughs> where, you know, the regulations were frankly rushed into play to catch uh, the market before people went to the polls. And, you know, unfortunately for the previous government, it it didn't help. As a matter of fact, there was a bit of a, a bit of a backlash. So thoughtful a well-construed housing policy. I think it's part of an, a modern, a modern advanced economy. Sure. So I, I don't. I'm not a libertarian when it comes to uh, housing policy. That said, supply and demand, and eroding or increasing affordability. Uh, that is the driver. So when homes are too expensive, markets will slow. Yeah. When they're when they're a deal. Uh, they will speed up. Th those are still the major drivers. Yeah, you know, I I, I like natural markets, and I think that um, if we looked at the market, you know, we, you you and I obviously are always following stats and numbers. I honestly thought that uh, come come April, without the influence of the provincial government in Ontario, I believe that it had actually hit its its peak naturally yes. without the influence you know we, we it might have trickled through to about june but i think you you had exhausted your buyers they're all sitting there saying hey listen enough is enough um i think that with the implementation of the uh increase in the mortgage rates i think that that would have also had its yep. natural effect and i don't have any problem with the bank of canada doing what they did but i think that when you when you get a provincial government wanting to step on the throat of everybody because their first mandate was all real estate should be affordable you know they're and, and, and this is the millennial vote, and, and, and you know, listen, uh, millennials will be part of the future, but at the end of the day, trying to appease one group of people saying, look, it, we're going to force the prices down by doing implementing this, 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 constantly saying, we must make it affordable. 
Who says? Because the market can do it naturally on its own, as you as you have expressed. You and I have watched for years and decades of real estate where you know market will market will go up, it'll come down, it'll normalize. You know, we we know what normal markets should look like. Why is it that we have to influence what somebody's probably worked their entire lives for? You know, the people that have owned their houses for 25, 30 years, it's part of their main retirement. And all of a sudden saying, no, 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 you've made too much money. We have to normalize the market so the person below you can buy it. Yeah. You know what? It's, I do have sympathy for policymakers. Tough job. And, <laughs> and I know if you're a voter and you've been in your, call it your sixth multiple offer situation and there's 12 other people and you just, you, you've saved the money, you're, you're ready, ready to, to buy a house, yeah. you've, 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 you've got another baby on the way, you really need this house sure. and you don't get it, you turn to your elected leaders and you go, why aren't you doing something? So they are driven to action. Yet, I think there's, there's a metaphor here for, uh, with great music. The great composers understood the value of silence. Right. So they'd bring silence into a piece of music. So I think sometimes they're, they're, they're so eager to do something that they do too much. And, uh, you know, time will tell whether this is one of those situations. I personally uh, still am optimistic about the real estate market in Ontario for the simple reason the economy is doing so well and population is growing. So we have people with increasing incomes and many more people all looking for the, the, the joy of home ownership. So I do believe we're going we're gonna to work our way through these challenges. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, when I analyze everything, I take a look back in 1989-90 when we had, right. that, had that, you know, crash. And it, and it really was a crash. Um, I, think, I think what we've seen in today's market, I think, I think we've seen an adjustment as opposed to a crash. Yes, you know, and I because, agree with you. Because we had just, just this, it's, such a, it's such a small peak. And, you know, it's like sort of like just kind of the, the last bit of gas left in something. So it goes right to the top and then all of a sudden it comes and normalizes. You know, we took a look, and, and you did bring up earlier about uh, our marketplace, where August, uh, you know, pretty much the lowest numbers that we that we've seen. I would almost call it, hey, we're back to our typical cycle of the, the our, you know, because you know we've faced cycles typically where you see the upswing in the spring, sure. everybody buys, they get their family into their houses in the in the summer, then you see a little bit of an uptick in the fall, a little bit of quieter, you know, in around the December January time, and then we're back into a normal cycle. We hadn't experienced that in 2015 and 2016. It the gas was on the right to the floor right. the entire time. Uh, you know, talking to all the realtors, they were sitting there saying, "Yeah, I've never had an August like this." You know, all the mortgage brokers, I've never had a July like that. Like it was just crazy. Yes. Um, I actually believe we're back to a normal market. I think that that's where we need to be. I think if we see percentages, if you were to uh, tell our listeners what should be a healthy increase annually, you know, you've got the numbers, you know, you, you've been able to read the data. What should properties go up to create a stable market? Yeah, in, uh, uh, really good question. If you look over the decades in Canada, uh, home prices have risen nationally by 5% a year. Right. And people say, well, that doesn't make sense because inflation's lower than that. It's maybe half that. Sure. And the reason why home prices go up at greater than the rate of inflation is because people want to live by each other. Right. You know, you put a pin on the map, like Toronto, Mississauga, uh, Milton, doesn't matter where, sure. and people cluster in the same areas. They just de They decide that that's the place you want to live. So there's this bidding up of the value of real property land. Right. So it's always going to be more than inflation. Uh, but if you're in that, we, we 
don't get excited with any single digit number, right. whether it whether it be one percent or nine percent. Right. When it hits double digits. 10 and above, uh, things get a little uncomfortable because then you're moving into a market where buyers don't have a fair shake. Right. If you look at parts of Toronto, we're probably structurally into double-digit home price increases for some time to come for detached homes. Right. It's it's a... We're, we're just stuck with limited supply and more demand than we want. But what will this do? Well, it'll it'll cause growth in in surrounding communities where where, if, where people really want uh, the space of a detached home. And in, increasingly, we're becoming a condo nation. If you look at the last five years, one third of our housing stock was condominiums. Wow! So now, is, this, is this because of affordability or absolutely is it... right? It's it's two things. But but you name you name the big one. Affordability is driving people. Sure. But then once they get there. They realize that it's it's pretty good. You yeah. know, you don't have yeah, you don't have walk the shovel yeah. exactly. And the as young people grow up in these communities, I mean, using downtown Toronto as an example, sure. uh, they realize that there are other young people there. Yeah. Uh, there are children. There are parks, and the city fathers are uh, looking at doing much more of that. So, what what do we need? We need more two and three bedroom units yeah. uh, and and that's tough with rent controls getting back to regulation because it doesn't encourage either purpose-built rent uh, buildings people are back to uh, you know build to sell uh, mm-hmm. to individual owners and it tends to focus builders on smaller units because they turn over quickly and when sure. you're when your tenant turns over you're not subject to rent controls so it's one of those weird policy things where you bring out a policy that's intended to do one thing and it has the opposite impact. I think it'll actually have a negative impact on uh, rental affordability and our ability to keep young people in the heart of the city. So my guess is there'll be something of a pendulum swing on that one in, in the uh, coming uh, months and years. Excellent. When we come back, I've got more with Phil Soper from Royal Page. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, my guest right now is Mr. Phil Soper. You might know the name. You might have heard it here on Simply Real Estate. A fabulous guest and returning. And he is CEO of Royal Page. And Phil, thanks for joining me. Great to be back. So much going on in the real estate world. When we take a look at the future of real estate, the past of real estate, you know, a lot of times everybody uses data from the past. Yeah. And, you know, because we're, we're, we're trying to think history. How do we, is it going to repeat itself or are we going to be able to move past it? Um, you know, we, we've just come through a real estate market that, again, we haven't quite seen anything historically like this. Is there, um, going forward, you know, we've got a lot of things that are kind of questionable. You know, we've got government intervention, we've got supply and demand. How is it that a market can continue its steam forward when you've got kind of two polarizing problems going on here? Well, you know what? You, you, your question triggers something for me. The latest uh, census data from the federal government one of the headlines is young people aren't buying homes like they used to. And in fact, it's, it's completely misleading. Uh, we did a report in the, a study in the middle of the, uh, the summer on what we call peak millennials, which are those, the, the biggest cohort, the biggest number of human sure. beings in, in Canadian history, which is 25 to 30 year olds. Okay. 
87% indicated they wanted to own a home and 69% said they would buy one within five years. One third of them already own homes. Okay. I was just going to ask you, what is that number of ownership? Because, you know, kind of want, should have, could have, would have, right. uh, you know, are they actually putting their money where their mouth is? What, but what the, what stats can in in the census data releases is there's been a drop of about one percentage point in the Canadian home ownership rate over the last five years. So it's right. dropped from around 69 to 68. But here's the truth. Millennials are leaving home at about half the rate in their, tw- in their 20s, about half the rate that their baby boomer pl- parents did. They are not leaving home anytime soon. So it's not re- ownership um, eliminated right. that one percent. It is uh, ownership delayed. Delayed, yeah, right. right. And 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 boomers are not leaving their homes like their parents did. They're uh, in their homes in their sixties and seventies uh, to a much greater degree than they were. So it is sort of in the life ownership delayed. It's almost like this longevity thing has pushed the whole market. So you know, right now, I think our listeners who are the parents of millennials are now crying. <laughs> Phil, they're like, "What do you mean they're not leaving? Why?" Why can't I get them out? Stop feeding them the cheese. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot of it, and and a lot of times, you know, we hear affordability is always the big driver, but is there also an expectation differently? You know, because when when we go back, and 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 I'm not going to put one you know onus on a generation, but you know, when I can remember the first home I ever bought, you know, it was uh, shag carpet. You know, f- uh, it had the green fridge, uh, you know, golden Avocado. yellow toilet. Oh yeah, it was just it was just <laughs> unbelievable, right? And and yet you're like, okay, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to have friends over for weekends. We're gonna we're gonna redo it. Um, the mindset's not the same. The, 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 you know, some of the buyers are out there aren't willing to do the roll up your sleeve and, and put the work in. It is an interesting question. Uh, do young people have the same interest in throwing the sweat and, and, and personal equity into home ownership? Sure. I will say that they're definitely looking at home ownership or ownership differently than uh, than their previous uh, generation they'll they'll use a car to go a zip car rather than buying a car right you and i might have bought a chainsaw because we needed to use it once and then we have a chainsaw yeah well yeah they'll rent the damn thing okay sure but but what the research shows including that research report the uh, peak millennial report that came out in the summer from us shows is when it comes to an appreciating asset because right. all those other things are depreciating you buy a chainsaw it's worth half what it was when you walk yep. out of home depot yep. the appreciating asset, real property, they want it in equal, an equal level of desire to their parents. Okay. Now, the question is, if you live in downtown Vancouver, will you be able to afford it? Well, the intent is there. We'll have to see if, um, if they get it. My guess is they'll find a way because it's the most important asset that they're looking to purchase, just like it was for us. So let's talk about supply and demand, because obviously, you know, the millennials are buying more condos yes. uh, than anything else, just just from a for, from more of an affordability standpoint. But, you know, some of the reports out um, actually are saying we're not going to see as many condominiums coming to market over the next few years. You know, the, the average building report, uh, you know, right now applications, there's only so many that they're looking at. Some of these builders are getting delayed a little bit longer. You know, there's still lots of red tape, obviously, here yep. in Ontario, yep. you know, for some of these uh, developers to be able to get to market. 
So again, here we go. We've got a supply issue. It seems like, you know, a developer comes to market, everything sells out immediately. Yep. You know, we've got uh, we've got people that are, you know, buying on speculation, yes. trying to flip them. But at the end of the uh, end of the day, we need end users having these properties. Um, how are we going to look at the future if we're, we keep getting jammed on inventory? I was really encouraged when the federal, provincial, and uh, city of Toronto uh, leaders, Prime Minister, Premier, the, the mayor, got together uh, this spring and said, we are going to develop across all levels of government housing policy that is far-reaching. Uh, the federal government devoted money to the initiative. Everybody signed on. There hasn't been a lot of progress since then on the housing side of it there's taxation side yes on sure. the on the on the positive housing side uh i can only hope that they are their heads down and working up because we need it we need every bit as important as a national health uh health policy national education policy is housing we need affordable housing and we need affordable housing that people can buy uh rent rent's important and it but it for Canadians, it's one of those dreams that they have, and and it's the reason we invented the CMHC was to get people into into home ownership, and they're going to continue to want it. So, I'm hoping that with a concerted, focused effort, we can reduce the red tape, allow builders to bring product to market more cheaply and efficiently and quicker, uh, and alleviate some of those supply problems. You know, I, I I like your point about obviously bringing things to market more affordably, but at the same time, I don't want it to be at the cost of current homeowners losing, you know, uh, equity growth over the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Because, yep. you know, we've got a generation now that are coming up, uh, you know, the biggest generation of retirement, really, you know, you got your baby boomers, you know, some of them are just, the boomers are just just starting to hit into their 70s you yep. know some of them will start looking at selling their their asset but you know when they look at it, it's probably one of the greatest savings that they've ever done it was it, yes. their, their money's in their home their retirements in their home and if you've got a government intervention to start forcing that down I mean I, I would love to say listen let's let let's leave the resale market alone let's talk about generating new product because really you know pushing pushing current existing inventory down doesn't make any sense not to reduce the the price of the current inventory it's better to make more inventory so you can bring more to market because we've got more people that want to live in ontario today than we did yesterday yes and it continues absolutely. to grow i mean our population is growing at a, at a at a healthy pace yes but yet the number of properties being developed is not keeping up no i agree you know, Canada moved ahead of Australia last year and is now the fastest growing advanced economy in the entire world. As the United States uh, implodes, frankly, with uh, <laughs> the uh, disarray, uh, the, 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 the horrible mess that's immigration policy, you know, 40% of uh, Silicon Valley uh, businesses are started by non-Americans. Really? Like, yeah, wow. it, is, it is a hugely important thing to be the place on the planet were the best and brightest. I mean, can you imagine how many brilliant engineers are being graduated in India and China? And a tiny little fraction, 0.0001% right. has the opportunity to go to a place like Canada in the United States. Well, they used to choose America. Sure, They're choosing Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, uh, Calgary, Vancouver now, and these are becoming hotbeds of artificial uh, intelligence development, uh, 
tech startups. Why? Well, we're a lovely, welcoming, uh, safe place to work, uh, to, to live and work and grow, grow a family. So advantage Canada. Right. Um, but we need the houses to put these people in. Sure. Uh, so it, it is, your point is well taken. Yeah, I just, I just don't think that you can take, if you just take a look at your current inventory, you can't, you can't make it affordable. What you have to do is create an afford, you know, more affordable inventory. Supply. So yeah, more add, supply. add more, you know, and, and I know that, you know, talking with a lot of, you know, CEO of, uh, of Rhea, Tim Hudak, you know, one of his biggest points is we need more inventory. Like, it, like it is, we need more inventory. That's just reality. And, uh, and I think that, you know, you can't squeeze people in and expect them to be able to sell their property. If you've, if you've got 10 buyers for every one property available, What's going to happen? Your prices are always going to go up. Yeah. Um, uh, just quickly, uh, if we, if, if you were going to give us a educated guess, sure. Uh, 2018, 2019, 2020, do we see stability in the Ontario real estate market? A three-year outlook, there'll be periods of overshooting. If the economy, let's let let me put this caveat in place. If um, we can avoid a, a global trade war, and some. Big sure. catastrophe doesn't happen to the economy. I think Canada is the best positioned uh, advanced economy in the entire world. And there's no better place to, for example, be in the real estate business sure. than, than Canada over over the coming uh, decade or so. Next three years, so we'll have periods where home prices are, are escalating too rapidly. And we'll probably have parts of the country where home prices back up a little bit. But over the long run, as we talked about earlier, home prices over decades and decades, uh, half a century have gone it's up 5% a year. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that changing. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always tell people, um, you're either a real estate investor or, or owner or real estate speculator. Speculator, of course, is you're just going after appreciation. And by the way, you'll pay the piper eventually. You're going to either go capital gains or the CRA is going to come and have a chat with you. But if not, if you are the real estate investor, Investor, that's more of that long-term approach, yeah. and I think you know uh, your experience, my experience. We'd look at it and say real estate is a very solid investment long-term. Yeah, we call it real property because it's something tangible. It's real. It's it, there's so few things in life that appreciate naturally, uh, and it's way more exciting to focus on buying a home than it is to put money in an RSP. Not that I'm suggesting people shouldn't do that. But if you're a young person and you're, you're, you're saying, hell, I can spend my money on, on stuff, sure. but it just disappears. Yep. What can I do that's good for me myself? Well, you should look after your RSP, but have some fun with real estate because it will treat you. People who own their homes, they retire health, healthier, happier, because they're wealthier and they have less less stress uh, later later in their life. It is good to be a homeowner. And that's why 70% of Canadians are homeowners. Listen, Phil, always a pleasure to have you on Simply <laughs> Great Real Estate. Great to be here. You know, thank you so much. And uh, we'll definitely stay in touch and we'll see how the market goes. So thanks so much for joining us. Cheers. Folks, that was Mr. Phil Soper. He is CEO of Royal LePage. And if you didn't catch the whole thing, remember, go to our website, click on my SoundCloud. You definitely want to hear what Phil and I were talking about for 
this hour. As I'd promised at the beginning of the hour, I want to talk to everyone that is out there buying condos, thinking you're going to assign or flip these. The CRA has been making a lot of noise lately, and what they're telling us is that there are some taxes due. So are you one of these investors that is actually turned around, bought an ass- turn around, bought a brand new condo with an assignment clause, and before it closed, you flipped it? And did you pay the taxes? Well, you know what? You better talk to your accountant because there are taxes due. Let me uh, just clear, clarify some of the headlines in the news in the last little while. Ontario, BC, explore measures to track pre-sale condo flipping. This was in the Globe and Mail. Also, CP24, CRA analyzing pre-construction condo flipping cases for tax avoidance. That's right. And what the heck? CRA probes pre-sale condo flips in Toronto as part of real estate crackdown. You know what? Everybody always thought that it was just easy. You know what? You flip it. No, I didn't own it. So you're not going to be paying any capital gains tax on it. But now it is deemed income, part of a business income, folks. So let's start from the very forefront of this entire thing. When you go and buy a brand new condominium and you're waiting for a long period of time for this property to close, of course, one of the things you're hoping for is the fact that it's going to go up in value. And in most cases over the last five to 10 years, we have seen great increases in value in the condominium market, especially in the GTA. But here's the problem, is that now you've got what they call an assignment clause in your agreement that says, hey, no problem, if you wanna sell this piece of paper prior to closing, you can. The builder's going to throw in a clause in this, of course, that they make a little bit of money out of it. So if you're going to be changing the person that's buying the property, it's going to probably cost about $5,000. It's kind of an average price that the builders will charge to move paperwork around. And now you've now encouraged somebody to buy the property from you. You know what? Values have gone up. You're sitting there saying, hey, great, I'm going to make $50,000 on a flip. Even though I put about $40,000 or $50,000 down in down payments, I'm going to be making some serious money. Hey, this is awesome. All right. Now, this is where things have to get serious. On closing, the new buyer, of course, will close the property. They'll pay the builder what is outstanding. You'll get your money back for your deposits. And on top of that, you're going to make your profit. One of the things that you have to make sure you have in place is your lawyer. So there's going to be three lawyers here. There is the lawyer for the builder. There is the lawyer for the new buyer. And it is your lawyer in the middle to make sure they're playing quarterback to make sure everything happens. That way, all the credits are done accordingly. But in the end, you are hoping that you're going to lick your chops and put that $50,000 in your pocket. Well, now here's the other thing. Right now, the CRA is requesting 2,700 deals that they believe have been a flip in the GTA marketplace, and they're going to investigate were the taxes paid on the increase or the profit that you have made on this. So keep this in mind, folks. If you're out there thinking you're going to flip properties, you will have to pay taxes on it. Now, if you have taken title on the property, meaning you bought, closed, put a mortgage in, and then you turn it 
again, if this is an investment property, not primary residence, you are going to have to incur capital gains. But if you never take title, it's not capital gains, it is now income. And this gets added to your annual income unless you've established a company slash business, which means the business is now taxed. I want everybody to be careful with this because they're serious about it. There's been a lot of it going on, the CRA, the provincial government, they've all agreed to play nice with each other and they want to make sure that the taxes are collected. If you have something outstanding, make sure you get to both your accountant and lawyer to clean it up. Anyways, that's just my little bit of a blurb on this. There's going to be more coming down, and I'll definitely keep you up to date right here on News Talk 1010 about what is going to happen with some of the people that probably haven't paid the taxes that are necessary. Anyways, I want to uh, definitely thank Mr. Phil Soper, CEO of Royal Page, for joining. And most importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in this week. Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. 1010.